You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. We'll be talking about the Sonics. Here are the Sonics. There's exclamation points around it, so I have to say it like that. In the room, I have Rob, Hello. Ben, Hello. Grady, and John. Yeah. Here are the Sonics is the debut album by American Garage rock band The Sonics, released in March of 1965 on Etiquette Records. It was produced by Buck Ormsby uh, and Kent Morrell, and the genre is garage rock. Hailing from Tacoma, Washington, or neighbor of Seattle, the Sonics formed in 1960 by Larry Parapal with the encouragement of his music-loving parents. After s- several lineup changes, they were scouted by Buck Ormsby, a bassist for the popular Northwest band The Wailers, and signed to Etiquette Records, The Wailers' own record label. Their first single was The Witch in November of 1964. The record was immensely popular with local kids and went on to become the biggest selling local single in the history of the Northwest despite its radio airplay being restricted because of its bizarre subject matter. The that, Sonics that's de- why it wasn't getting radio play? Yep. The Sonics debut, Here Come the Sonics, audibly blew open the doors for what would become garage rock, inspiring everyone from the Stooges, uh, 1970s punk, the 1990s Seattle grunge. The formula sounds sim- like a simple question. Can we play Little Richard style rock and roll louder, faster, and with more attitude? The answer is some of the rawest production ever committed to vinyl. It was recorded on a two-track tape recorder with only one microphone to pick up the entire drum kit. It was here that they began to pioneer some of their infamous, reckless, and what is commonly referred to as in-the-red or overdriven recording techniques. And the extremes didn't stop there, as the Sonics' lead singer, Jerry Roseland's loud, lewd, and sexually charged shrieking vocals howled songs about alcohol, drug abuse, and evil women in the guise of Psycho, Strychnine, and The Witch. Others may have started rock and roll, but the Sonics were here to turn up the volume all the way. All right, what do we think of Here are the Sonics? Dude. Fell asleep. It's amazing. <laughs> I, huge fan. Longtime fan. I, I love the Sonics. I love this record. Uh, I, I don't, I can't get it out. And, get the words out. I don't have the words. It's just, it, it's, it's, I feel like I, I'm just going to be a broken record. It's just dis, distill rock and roll, you know? I was, I was turned on to the Sonics, uh, when I got uh, that box set of CDs that Rhino put out, the the, the Nuggets box mm, set yeah. of all the like, American uh, garage rock and fuzzy psychedelic shit, and uh, 
it was a cool box set because it was it was almost primarily all regional hits. It was barely anything that received any radio play. Was that all American? Uh, the first box set was all okay. American, and okay. the second one was uh, the rest of the world. Okay. And so, like that box set, almost everything on it was was brand new to my ears, and I discovered a lot of music from it. But I think the standout, the first time I listened to it, and the and the band that I keep on coming back to from that amazing box set, it's always the Sonics, man. It, it's they're it's just so pure and raw, and it's just energy and hormones and. Yeah, how old were these guys? Is it saying? Can't they can't have been too I mean, much past their mid twenties, if anything. No. They were young. Yeah. They were very young. Yeah, I was not they expecting didn't... to hear sound like this until much, much later on in the book. Exactly. And I, and when I when I heard it for the first time, that's exactly what I thought. Like I thought that that bands weren't sounding like this until Closer to the conception of punk rock, right? Like, like closer. I thought it was going to be closer than twelve seventies or something. I definitely thought it was going to be closer than more than a decade away from nineteen seventy seven. You know, just for like the the songs, the song structure. Yeah, it's it's basic rock and roll. It's pretty well trodden territory, but their approach to it and just the reckless abandon, and the fact that they found someone in nineteen sixty five to agree to give them studio time and lay it to tape and then manufacture it and then sell it to people. The fact that that was happening as early as 65, it, it, it was cool news. And to this day, I still think it's cool news. Yeah, I kind of wonder if somebody bought this record and thought there was something wrong with their speakers. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's one of the first albums that you could say it's it's just like... Thought someone was so blown. Blown out. Man. Yeah, it's got that blown out sound and... You can imagine just having like this small little speaker and be like, "Whoops, my speaker's probably busted." Because yeah, it well, if it wasn't like before. The, 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 it's con be the concept <laughs> of that sort of lo-fi, overblown, in the red yeah. recording was not at all. No, these guys invented it. Eventually. So, so my question is because the the name of the band it, this is this is new to me. My my vocabulary of this era is is fairly limited. Obviously, I've heard a lot of these songs. I never knew to whom they should be attributed but in the book it still says the idea of a garage band was not new still at this point but the idea that there's a band in a garage sure but, it, but the, the idea wasn't wasn't new so who who were the were there any notable precursors to this that were doing anything similar Trashmen? yeah i mean you could you could argue that when the beatles were here when the Stones were here. Everybody was like, "Let's pick up, the, mm -hmm. <laughs> let's get the girls, think, let's pick up guitars." We're in our garage. I think so. The, so these it's were the young. more of that aspect yeah. rather than the sound. It's a distinction between yeah. a garage yeah. band okay. and yeah. the genre of music known as garage rock. Okay, yeah, that, that, yeah. a garage band yeah. is it's just like an amateur bunch of guys playing music unprofessionally. I, I in was, garage. I think, conflating the two terms. So yeah, that's, yeah, that, that, yeah, and it yeah. usually. It comes with a that very raw sound. You're right. I mean, it just it gives you this sort of almost like uh, I would say like Howlin' Wolf mm -hmm. vocals w with just having that scream. You know, Little Richard. It's when it's you just have, energy. You have one mic for the drums. Yeah, and you but you can obviously tell that stole two beers they've for like my dad. Cranked the 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 recording up. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not just that they're exciting. It's a, a lot has to do with how. The production was done to mm -hmm. make it sound. Oh, wow, baby. You're me crazy. 
like at this point in time, like the Northwest was, it's always been a weird spot. Uh, but specifically because they, the touring bands weren't going through the Northwest. They were getting the radio, but like a circuit wasn't built yet. So like a lot of the weird shit that was coming out of it was just because it, it was the scene itself was insular and they were just kind of playing off of each other. I mean, mm-hmm. there's and that that spread all the way up through the '90s, like with uh with how like grunge came about. So it's not surprising to me that this sound came from the Northwest because there was they're just fucking weird. Um, but yeah, um, take that, that Northwest. <laughs> You're weirdos. They are. I think, it's, I think it's a point of pride. I mean, it's dreary all the fucking time. No. <laughs> Surrounded by giant trees and nothing else. Exactly. (laughs) Owls and I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to make the observation that uh, rock and roll tenor saxophone is not the easiest thing to pull off. And the Sonics make a tenor saxophone sound like it belonged in there the whole time. Yeah. It's just, it's right in there with the distorted guitar and the over. The overblown organ. <laughs> and this dude Blasting. scream yeah. Oh, yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, they have the, the right chemistry, oh. the right mm-hmm. instrumentation, the right chemistry. It sounds like it shouldn't it work together, but it does somehow. Yeah, it's just like, it's one of those things that it, it, it sounds like it could fall apart at any time, but it just never does. It's just like this constant rolling motion of like, it's like, it's like they tumble down the stairs and then they land on their feet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds so so primitive and raw and everything, but still so sort of cutting edge or, or modern uh, ahead of its time in some ways. Yeah, like, this yeah. record still sounds fresh. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Someone could make an yeah. album like this now, and it would. Yeah, it well, would I mean, sound, and they have. It, the the, Sonics, the, the Sonics, Sonics made an album like this last year. <laughs> the highs. and it sounds awesome. Wait, they're still doing this? The Sonics yeah. released an album no last year, and and it sounds like they. It, it's, it sounds a little bit more professionally recorded, but it's still recorded in the red. It still sounds like this. It, it sounds like it could have come out the year after this. Yeah. You know, they do yeah. some Bo Diddley covers. Uh, it, it rules. It's huh. really good. They took a long hiatus. I think they they, they reformed, I think, uh, they had like a resurgence of popularity with the, the garage rock and stuff. Yeah. They've had a lot of lineup changes. They made also want to speak to like the lyric content because Psycho, Wit, the Witch, Strychnine. Strychnine. Oh, yeah. I mean, this That's, stuff it's was dangerous. This is dangerous <coughs> yeah. stuff. I yeah. mean, this is getting into. I don't know if we've said it yet, but this is like to me. This is the first punk album. I first punk rock album. I consider it that. Yeah. And um, the liner notes on the reissue, uh, the reissue of the record here is the very first sentence. It says, "You hold in your hands the greatest punk rock album ever made." Just yeah. Right off the bat. I mean, people could say it was Stooges. You can argue all you want, different things, but this this kind of attitude, this kind of uh, maybe the not most prophetic playing, but energy mm-hmm. is their attitude in the lyrical content. I think I think it kind of pulls it in. I mean, they influence the Stooges. They it influence ma- it makes sense the sense as, as, as much as everybody. I mean, you can you can keep going further and further down and tracking the influences and pulling apart the strands of everything. And this this sounds like as good a place as any to really mark that sort of fork in the road. From, yeah, I think know. the Beatles and the Stones were kind of doing this thing and they kind of 
it's it's they where you over, get that overblew it. Yeah, they get then, yeah. they get that uh, little division there. They're going this way. They're going that way. Very cool. I uh, I read a cool anecdote in uh, the liner notes of one of their other reissues. I think it was the liner notes to the follow up to this Sonic's Boom. Uh, we were talking about you know back in the day when a a vocal group would be on tour. Often they wouldn't be touring with their own backing band. Uh, they would book like a, a regional band uh, to both open up the show and then be a backing band. So when the the girl group, the Shangri Las, uh, performed in the Pacific Northwest, the Sonics were their band for that <laughs> short tour, and it could have gone one of two ways. And it went the the they did the Shangri Las did not have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Sonics just showed up as the Sonics, and they played the Shangri-La songs as the Sonics, and got drunk and hit on them all the time, and the Shangri-Las just hated every minute of it. <laughs> uh, they look like such nice boys. <laughs> you look at their album cover. Nice boys. Angora sweater. Yeah. Matching jackets and ties. They're a little moody, but they, they, they look like the cover nice of guys. Boom, the cover of Boom, they look tough. Yeah, they yeah. finally figured it out. Uh, it's just, it's a cool cover. So, do we even have to discuss if this should be in the list of 1001 records? No. Of the of all the albums that we've heard, this one is a revelation. Yeah, I'd say for recording, yeah. especially, being willing to experiment with Two that, track, that one kind much. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so, was that <laughs> all just the out of necessity? Yeah, I think w- so. Were there any artistic I think directions that well, were they, given? They did do experiment. With so, with uh, recording, but I think also it's you don't have a lot of money. Yeah, sure, utilitarian. Yeah, so it's it's a little little. I, I'm just I'm just wondering how much the aesthetic of that drove the actual process. Well, they could have played it a little yeah. less distorted. They could have you know kept it on level. But sure. I don't know bouncing back and forth between yeah. two tracks like yeah. fucking distorting the shit out of it may have just been the way to like get things to pop through without it being muddy. Yeah, but yeah, that's I'm another s- thing. It comes through. All of it comes through right. pretty clear. I mean, even the drums, yeah. which it's surprising. Kind of yeah, it's surprising. <laughs> Very surprising. I, there's a little yeah. uh, quote in the book with the the two engineers that were fretting over the recording of this album. Probably both like professional working yeah. engineers <laughs> in the lab coats, in the, like, like, accustomed to recording professional musicians. <laughs> it says one guy says that doesn't even sound like drums, and the other guy says. What am I going to do? Look at this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Which I still don't know quite how to take. What is that? Is it, was he just like a imposing dude? I mean, or? that Angora sweater made a little pretty big. They're referring to the guy in the Angora sweater sitting <laughs> confidently behind that snare. There, there was no like arguing or, or talking sense well, into that in, guy. In my, in, not to that in, team. <laughs> in my mental picture, he was playing at the time, and, and the camera kind of pans over to him, and he's just like... Just Keith Moon and all over the drums. Sure. <laughs> Hopefully in that same Angora sweater. In the same Angora sweater. It's a good look. 
I love. I love the. I'm gonna get one. Get me one of those. <laughs> also, check this out. He, I, can, I can pull. He's that got off. the. He's got the window knocker ring. Yeah. <laughs> I think I can pull that sweater off. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that don't oh, know yeah. what a window <laughs> knocker is, it is a small ring with a large rock worn on one of your uh, subdominant fingers, like the uh, ring or uh, pinky finger, mm-hmm. which you can use to knock on someone's window when they cut you off in traffic. <laughs> <laughs> it's a window knocker. It's a window knocker. Yeah, this album. Cabochon Stone. You don't want it to chip. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> Rules. Yeah, and I, I it, it, it's exciting for me to hear rock and roll that doesn't can, make me angry. Can you guys think of uh, any bands that you're positive would not exist? The Cramps. Yep. The Hives. Yep. I mean, there wouldn't be five White Stripes records in the back of this. Had <laughs> it not been for the Sonics. That's true. We kind of have to blame the Sonics on this book's heavy-handedness with White Stripes records. <laughs> I am, I am become death destroyer of worlds. I, I would say if, Get me, if there were three White Stripes albums in this book and not a Sonics, we would have thrown this book on the ground and left the room. Basically, we gripe about it about once per episode, so we're going to have a thousand gripes aired. We might just be okay with it I, by the time we actually get to I've cut quite a bit of them out. So. Oh. Just so you know. Oh, so we're going to have an episode that's best of White Stripes Gripes? Yeah. <laughs> White Stripes? <White gripes. laughs> uh, also a good name for this podcast. A lot of potential with that name. <laughs> oh, we're white. <laughs> I'm Hispanic. That's true. All right, that'll do it for this episode. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right, next time we'll be talking about Bob Dylan, bringing it all back home.